The first post-game swarm cast of the year. David Eichel along with Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. Sean, a lot to really unpack. Let's just really dive right into it. What's your, I guess, we'll, we'll start with general takeaways. What were your initial takeaways from today? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I know it's going to be kind of cliche, but it was kind of weird to cover a game and not, like, be in attendance for it. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thing, but... I know what people really want to talk about here is the actual game and you know really just throughout the first half and even like third quarter like beginning of fourth like I never really felt like there was a time where I was like okay I was gonna throw this game away or not throw it away but end up losing this game and once we got kind of down to that once like the sergeant fumble happened yeah. At that point, you were kind of like, oh, boy, like, here we go again. Um, and that's where, really, like, I felt the tides turn. Like, I felt like there was, like, I did not feel like I was going to win that game. I know there were probably some people that disagree with me or weren't going to lose that game. And I know some people probably won't disagree with me about that, but or will probably disagree. I can't talk right now. Um <laughs> The, the thing that I remember, Sean, what you're trying to bring up is I think around seven minutes left, I had turned back to you and I had said, watch what's going to happen. Purdue's going to get the ball back. They're going to drive down score and Petrus is going to have to win the game with a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think I think I said just before the Sergeant fumble, but after Sergeant broke off that 20-yard run before the fumble, I kind of had rethought about that statement. But then after that happened... I think you knew right when Purdue got the ball back that they were going to find a way to go march down and score. Definitely. I think, too, with kind of their run game in general, um, that was really kind of started it. Uh, I mean, we saw it throughout the game. It took Iowa about, like, two or three tries. Like, you never really were bringing – who was it running back again? Xander. Uh, I don't even try to pronounce his last name. It was uh, Xander Horvath. Hor- <laughs> Horvath. <laughs> I mean, it's – but tell you what, he uh, – like, yeah, like you said, he really torched Iowa. I mean, uh, the initial starting running back uh, for Purdue, King Doru, announced on his Snapchat last night that he was going to be out today. So it's kind of another wrinkle to the equation that, okay, maybe Phil Parker and them didn't really plan for that. But he really – he didn't have much success in the first half. But once that second half hit, Sean, I mean, he really – he torched Iowa. And I think that really had a big part in Purdue's uh, passing game really opening up. Granted – David Bell was targeted 21 times throughout this game, and I'm sure Purdue's coaches really wish that uh, David Bell they could play Iowa every game because they get David Bell the ball in those numbers. Dude, guess what Xander Horvath's height and weight is? He was a he was pretty big, wasn't he? Yeah, he was what two two twenty weight wise, and I'll go six one six three two thirty. Yeah, wow, so that's that's like a linebacker running the ball. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any stats that we can find really like with stats broadcast or I don't know if ESPN does it or Pro Football Focus does. I'm sure they do. Um, but I'd be really intrigued to see what his yards after contact were when he was running the ball because yeah. Yeah. he was he's a guy, he's a forward. He was a forward finisher in terms of when he's running the ball and you're tackling him, he's going forward. He's not going back. He's not going side. Yeah. He is going right through you. And there were a couple times, um, I know a few of the defensive backs and obviously linebackers like couldn't wrap him up and just had the most, just had the hardest time bringing him down. And I know people don't 
really talk about tackling as being kind of the main reason why Iowa lost today. But I do think if you bring if you bring down um, Horvath on some of those initial tackles, then it's a complete. It's not a completely different game, but I think you're feeling better about. They don't have to worry as much about the run as they do the pass because once they start finding success, I mean that's when you start seeing Aiden O'Connell really, mm-hmm. t- you know, pick apart uh, the Iowa defense. And Aiden O'Connell was a little bit of a surprise for us starting because I, I initially thought Jack Plummer was going to be the starter. I thought O'Connell would be a close second. Remember, he did get some time last year against um, Iowa, right. and he showed some nice stuff last year as well. Right. Um, but like you had mentioned, I mean, Xander really. He had himself a heck of a game, and I do think that that was a big reason. But like you said, the yards after contact, somebody in the my reply for the questions to the Swarmcast or what's talk about said, who knew Mark Weissman had any eligibility left and, and flipped him to the Boilermaker. And granted, Mark Weissman wasn't six foot three, but if you're talking about a guy who's rumbling and stumbling and getting five, six yards of constant carry but isn't a home run threat, that's exactly what that was. That's really all Purdue needed because it was going to keep Iowa's defense honest. Right, and I mean, Brian Ferentz talked about it a couple weeks ago when he met with the media saying, we want to establish the run game. And Purdue, you're kind of looking at Purdue and you're like, well, I mean, DeRue is out, mm-hmm. so what does that mean? Xander Horvath's going to go in. Six foot three, 230 pounds, and just the way they were established to run, like that's what, that's what uh, brought Iowa down late in the fourth quarter. Like, Purdue just kept shoving, like throwing it or mm-hmm. running it down their throats and just nonstop, and that's kind of where really things kind of also where I kind of felt things really turning in that direction because just the way they were able to run the ball and just be so effective with it was another really big reason why like the game went the way it was and I think when you have a guy like that I mean granted Iowa has three two or three really good running backs or like Productive running backs. I mean, obviously, Tyler Goodson gets a lot of love. Makai Sargent had a great game outside of that fumble. The crucial mistake. He was was playing well, though, like you said. Right, 11 carries, 71 yards, a touchdown. And he was doing a good job. Like, same thing with Goodson. I thought, I don't want to go on a tangent, but Goodson, I thought, really did a good job of running through guys, which is something we really didn't see last year. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that was impressive from him. And, yeah, I mean, I just think in general – just the way that Purdue was able to run the ball was a major key, and that's something that we did not talk about at all coming into this game. Even with Rondell Moore out, everyone was talking about David Bell, David Bell, David Bell, and rightfully so. I mean, David Bell tore it up, no question about it. That's the story of the game. But I think the rushing attack for Purdue was really what um, paved the way for them at the end. No, and like like you said, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Let's dive right into, before we kind of break down Spencer Petras, I think what a lot of people want to know is why wasn't Tyler Goodson in the game mm-hmm. at the, in the fourth quarter? And I am on that side, too. I understand the argument of, you know, Sargent's running well. I mean, he broke off a 20-yard rush before he fumbled, you know, before he fumbled the ball. Aside that point, though, Tyler Goodson at one point was Iowa's leading receiver and was Iowa's leading rusher. I mean, he was getting, you know, five yards of carry. Sargent, again, six and a half yards per carry in the game. Iowa as a team, Sean, was 5.4 yards per carry. That's a winning number. Since 2015, if Iowa runs the ball for at least 100 yards, entering today, they were 45-4. and four. I mean, they win 90% of the time when they run for 100 yards. And that's assuming they even cross the century mark. They were nearly two, at the two-century mark. But if Tyler Goodson, and Tyler Goodson, I thought, played 
he played a really solid game. He wasn't getting a lot of blocking on some of those. I mean, he was juking out two or three guys on some of these plays. And he didn't get the ball in the fourth quarter. Granted, they tried to get him the ball on that third down screen when they when Petrus and them have the ball uh, for one last go before um, you know before they turned it over and down, which ultimately ended the game. It was a botched screen that Purdue blew up. Uh, and it was a, really a bad throw, I think, by Petrus as well. I mean, he got hit a lot, so I think that had something to do with with his performance on on that. But you cannot go 10 plays or 16 plays in the fourth quarter and not give Tyler Goodson a touch. I think that's unexpected. And granted, I know Iowa has playmakers, but you need to keep this in perspective. Emir Smith-Marset didn't have a catch today. I, and that's not something I envisioned talking about. Tyrone Tracy only had two catches for not, totally 19 yards. Brand Smith had three catches for 34 yards. I think all of them went for first downs. I mean, they're all pretty big catches. Nico Regani was Iowa's most outstanding wide receiver. But these wide receivers that we'd heard so much about, Sean, I'm not saying they were invisible, but they weren't making impact plays. And if the guy's making impact plays is not in the ball game in the fourth quarter or you're not giving him touches when everybody else is being quiet, I think people have a right to question that. Right, and I think, too, going back to Sargent real quick, and now I'll kind of touch on the wide receivers and everything like that. I think when you look at, like, Sargent, like, people will go back to the Northwestern game in 2018 where he fumbled that one. I know one of Nebraska the— Nebraska last year, too. Nebraska, and then don't forget about Michigan. Yep. First play from scrimmage, I believe, for Iowa. I think fumbled I think that it, was Sargent, fumbled, too. Yeah, yeah. Fumbled, it, fumbled it in Michigan's— uh, or in their own territory, and Michigan got the ball, ended up being the difference in the game because the score was, what, 10-3? 10-3, yeah, because yes. yeah, Stanley took seven sacks that game. Right, right. So people are going to look back at that and be like, can Sargent really be trusted, um, yada, yada, yada. And I think he's still, like, a pretty good second or, like, backup back considering, like, Tyler Goodson's obviously the number one guy, but I think he's a guy that's capable of being that critical, like, second guy back. Yeah. It's like a different sort of, like – Change of pace, change of speed. Um, but talking about the wire receivers, I mean, Spencer Peters admitted it too. Like, there were just a couple balls that he did not throw yeah. very well. And he was the first one to admit that. He says, like, it's on me. Like, there were some that I wish I could take back. Like, there were a couple shots to the end zone. I think Sam Laporta was one of them. Granted, he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't that much open, but it was still a pretty good, like, route. Like, you would think he'd be open. Um, so that was definitely a significant one. And then, I I mean, they missed Amir Smith-Marset, I think, on a couple of times. And then he missed that one long and Brandon Smith that we were kind of like, oh, that's that's like that's a great ball. Like, that's perfect ball and just kind of just took a weird angle to it and didn't, didn't really end up like many hoped it would. But, I mean, that's football for you right there. I know all, I right, like, all right, yeah. Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> I mean, that's that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. And I think, too, at the beginning, the offensive line, especially the tackles, didn't do the best of job giving them some time. I think Alaric Jackson kind of struggled with George Karloftis to start. And same thing with Koi Kronk, too. Koi Kronk had a couple, couple of false starts. Yeah. Right, right, right. Penalties. Like, once you get some penalties, like, you're really focusing on, like, not messing up rather than executing you know, no, no, like, 100%. I mean, you think of Tyler Linderbaum had that hold, which I'll need to go back and watch that tomorrow, how much of a hold it was. I know a lot of people weren't thrilled yeah. about that call. And I wrote about this in my column that I just finished on. I mean, 
The turnovers were huge. Look, Iowa probably missed a couple of plays they should have hit on. But turnovers and penalties and undisciplined. I mean, I'll even go back to this, and this wasn't even a big impact to the game, but this still is something that needs to be addressed. Emir Smith-Marset's unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, trying to pull a Purdue guy out of out of the pile. That's a 15-yard penalty. It, it, you're a senior wide receiver who's been starting every game since you were a freshman. You have to know better. I mean, you're talking about a disciplined football team. Granted, I know a lot of people think Purdue got away with some holds, which I think I, I agree with to a certain extent. I mean, Joe Evans pointed out that his jersey got ripped. Chauncey Golson on a couple of those throws. I mean, it was pretty fairly obvious with the other guy's arms around his neck. But they played discipline. They did not shoot themselves in the foot. You know, A.N. O'Connell turned the ball over twice um, by interceptions. But And again, one of them was just the tight end. Uh, bouncing off his chest and Barrington Wade, who I thought had a pretty solid game overall. And, you know, a thing that really doomed Iowa as well, I know I'm bouncing around here, on David Bell's third touchdown, they put Barrington Wade on David Bell. I mean, what do you expect him to do at that point? That's the same thing that cost Iowa in the Wisconsin game a couple years ago, which is which is what inspired them to go that 4-2-5 defense. They need more speed. They need more athleticism on the field. And granted, Wade had some big moments in the game, had his first career sack, had the pick. But ultimately, if a guy is torching you for two touchdowns and double-digit receptions, why are you putting Barrington Wade on him? I don't even know if Barrington Wade really knew that he was guarding <laughs> David Bell yeah. there. I mean, we talked about it. I brought it up pre-snap. I'm like, David Bell's going to be open here for yep, a touchdown. That's and right. Yep, you did. I don't really think you had to be a football genius to like realize that because he was just so – like you could just see it happening like before the snap. I don't know what it was, but, yeah, there was, uh, there was definitely some communication that was off. It just seemed like there wasn't really much – I don't know what to say. Like I want, I don't want to say. I want to say camaraderie, but Com- I, think- I wouldn't say camaraderie. I would say like the defensive line I thought showed up a little bit better later on in the game. Um, obviously, end of the first half was huge. Yeah, Davion Nixon. I was really impressed with him. Um, I thought Jack Heflin minus that. I mean, he was kind of contained a little bit, but. He's the, not. He's not known no. to be like a big like sack guy. But he's going to be a run stopper, interior yes, pressure. And that, exactly. the thing about Heflin too, like you said, that face mask they called on him. He was pretty held going into that play though. That was one where I'm like, okay, you, you got to throw the flag on. Granted, because he was coming off a hold, he's trying to break away from that. And granted, he did get the face mask. I yeah. didn't think he did on the initial play, but I mean, he did get the face Saw mask. That head turn. Yep. Um, when you look up and down the line, I mean, there were a couple times though, Sean, like you said, where. Iowa, I thought, just struggled. I mean, I thought John Wagner, I'd bring up the sack that he should have had when they went down the two-yard line. And there were times where you can have the best coverage in the world. You cannot expect them to cover for eight seconds. Iowa has to blitz more. And I think they started to dial that up a little bit more as the game went on. But at that point, Aiden O'Connell's comfortable. The wide receivers are getting their sets, and they've already established the run game. So they were in an offensive rhythm. And I think, again, once Sargent fumbled it is when I sat back and said, either Petrus is going to be a hero or Iowa's going down. Yeah, and I mentioned that's one of the keys of the game. Iowa's defensive line getting the pass rush. Um, and the blitzes, too. I think, yeah, and the yeah, my prediction, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, the thing about Purdue is, like, David Bell is probably one of the best route runners in the Big Ten. Country, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you let him run his full route, then you're going to have issues. So they were giving O'Connell time in the pocket. I mean, I'm still kind of surprised they started O'Connell, but I think at the end of the day, 
outside of those interceptions. One of them wasn't his fault, tipped. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was just kind of a tough play. In yeah. Like a pretty risky spot. So I think O'Connell did a really good job. I mean, honestly, like, I really don't know. I'm really still kind of surprised that Iowa lost this game. Like, it felt to like. To a certain extent, yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like there were parts where I'm like, yeah, they deserve to lose. But, like, I feel like they did enough in some parts. Like. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Where they should have won this game. Now, look at look at the bright side on this. Purdue is a decent team. I think they're going to be probably like near competing more in the Big Ten West here in the next couple of years with the way Jeff Brown's recruited um, and just like his coaching style. Um, so I think just overall, like, I think but you we look, also don't want to put sugar on. Right. But you, on, look, you, but, but you look at Iowa, like the execution was bad. Yeah. Like, let's just say that yep. it was bad. You get rid of maybe three or four of those penalties, and that's a completely different game, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it really reminisced to a certain, in some ways, not totally, not running the ball for sure, about last year's Iowa team. They turn the ball over in, in, in opposing territory, and they can't finish drives. I had said, and again, Keith Duncan does his job probably better than anybody in America. Right. But I had said on those fourth downs, and Grant, the fourth and nine, I understand that. But that first one, I said... You need to go for it because Purdue is going to want to score touchdowns. They are going to get touchdowns on you. And I still think that makes a major difference. And I think what needs to be talked about more, and which Kirk did address at the end of the game before we get some questions here, Spencer Petras ran a really solid two-minute drill. They had a timeout. Why the hell did they run the ball 10 seconds left? They didn't spike it. They didn't call timeout with the running clock. They ran the ball to Goodson. They had to take a timeout. Four seconds left. Now you can't even take a shot at the end zone at the 10-yard line. And that, it's maybe Petrus is inexperienced. But that's what, if you're if you're Kirk Ferentz, you're Brian, you need to be either be A, screaming on the sideline because they'll be able to hear you. The stadium's empty. Or you call a timeout, immediately drop one play, maybe a fade to Brand Smith, maybe Sam Laporta in the end zone on a, on a, on a corner route or something, right? If that goes incomplete... Then you automatically get the you get the field goal team ready to go. I think running the ball, I just makes no sense to me in any sense of the world. And they even said post game, we weren't planning on going for a field goal. If we did it over again, we would. But I think that's one thing the Iowa fans are super perplexed about is Kirk Ferentz has been at Iowa for over thirty years, been head coach for twenty two years. Why can't they figure out the end of half clock management? Yeah. And I think too part of that is having a younger quarterback. Like I don't want to put the blame on mm-hmm. Petrus, but yeah, I mean, I think at best, you'd have two shots at the end zone there. And worst comes to worst, you don't get it, then you kick the field goal. But at least you had the two chances. And it, it goes back to conservative, Kirk. I think the worst thing is they throw a pick, I mean, right? But at the end of the yeah. day, even if you throw a pick, it's not like Purdue's going to go for a Hail Mary from 90 yards away. Right. I mean, maybe a pick six, but that's when you don't run a slant route and make sure the safety doesn't read it and you immediately take it back for a pick six. Yeah. So... I think we need to dive into Spencer Petras a little bit. 
just his overall performance. I think the offensive line outside the penalty is outside of Eric Jackson's first drive. I thought they played all right. I think Koi Kronk will get better as the year goes on. Uh, he was he had a tough matchup. I mean, he got owned by Karloftis on that one sack. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Petrus' pocket presence is all right, but he does have a Nate Stanley tendency, and I'm curious if you read it. He doesn't. He holds well in the pocket, but when he tries to scramble, he goes backwards. He does not go to the side. I mean, there are times where he go, runs back 10 yards, and I think that's going to cost Iowa uh, down the stretch. But I think people are being a little bit too harsh on Petrus. I really thought he showed some good things. And, again, this might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know if you agree with me on this. Emir Smith-Marset should have caught that deep ball that was targeted to him. I thought he was looking way too hard for the pass interference. And I thought Brand Smith pulled up just enough on that one. I really think Brandon could have laid out or had done something different to get that. Granted, it was a little bit of an overthrow, but I still think it was manageable. But the Emir one, I thought that was a near-perfect ball from... From Petrus, and like you said, the Laporta one was obviously he just he just overthrew the hell out of him. Yeah, and I think Petrus did what you kind of expect with an Iowa quarterback, at least didn't turn the ball over. Struggled a bit to start, but I think he really did a good job of moving the chains and I thought he was fine. Like I really don't see the blame. Like I understand frustrations and some of the stuff that Nate Stanley did. I know people are still kind of heard about that and heard all these good things about how Spencer Petrus can throw the long ball and everything, but I think at the end of the day, you got to be happy with his debut. Like, I know people wish he could have thrown a touchdown, but, you know, it is it is what it is. No, and like you said, I mean, he was 22-39, 265 yards. I thought his passes looked good, though, but he put some heat on that. I mean, he may have a yeah. skinnier arm than, than Stanley, but he's got a rocket. He's got a cannon for an arm. Uh I mean, I, I think one of his first incompletions, I mean, it was a perfect ball. I thought it was Smith-Marset. He just he just ended up dropping it. I'm not sure if he wasn't used to the heat on it. Uh, I think Smith-Marset needs to be better for being a senior. No receptions against Purdue secondary. And he got some targets. I think he needs to really step up over these next couple weeks because, Sean, really right now, Iowa can't afford any more slip-ups. And from what I'm seeing across the Big Ten, Penn State lost to Indiana. Minnesota's losing to Michigan right now. I've said this to you, I think, before we started recording this. I think Iowa can beat every single team on its schedule, but can also lose to every team but Michigan State on the schedule. You know, knock on wood. Um, I think Petrus showed a lot. I think the worst that you're getting with Petrus is another Nate Stanley. I really think. I, I think he showed a lot. I think there's areas he can improve. But I do believe that he is a gamer from what, from what I saw of it. And, again, I think that botched screenplay and that two-minute drill. Because I thought during the first half two-minute drill, outside the crucial mistake, you know, again, I'm not trying to sit, minimize that. But he threw some really good balls, and they were playing really, really smart with that. And I thought he, he executed the two-minute offense pretty well. I think I might close on this. I think if you're thinking of problems for this Iowa team or issues after the first game, I don't think Spencer Petrus is the one you should be pointing fingers at. I agree. I think there's much bigger issues. Not much bigger, but like I feel like there's more significant issues that you could be really focusing on rather than your first, your redshirt sophomore quarterback in his first collegiate start. Yeah, because I think people really, you know, again, I'm, I'm not trying to point the finger at the minority, but some people threw the towel in after the end of the first quarter. It's like, you guys got to give him some time, man. Yeah. Um, so why didn't Tyler Goodson play more? This is from uh, your Twitter questions. We already kind of addressed that. I think he should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sergeant I- Ivory Kelly Martin, I thought, really provided a nice spark, too, on a couple of those drives. I mean, they tried – going back to Goodson, I mean, they tried to get him that screenplay. Yeah. 
and, and that can't be minimized. Right. He, um, that was just a bad. He just said it was a bad play. Sure. Just things weren't. Uh, is Indy already out of reach? No, I don't think so. I think every Big Ten West team will have at least two losses, but Iowa has to beat Minnesota. They have to beat Nebraska, and they have to beat Wisconsin. I think that's the only way they're making it to Indy. They have to win those three games at least. If they drop Penn State, they drop Penn State. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Um, how many snaps is Goodson in the fourth quarter? I'll have to review the film on that. Sargent has a history of fumbles, so why is he in over Goodson? Again, I think it was a momentum thing. He had a 20-yard run before the fumble, and I think, again, you can't minimize that. But I do agree, at some point, late in games, if a guy has a history like that, even if he has experience, he's done good things, you got to go away from him, especially with Goodson being able to shake and bake like he can because he provided some really good runs during that. Um, why, did, why did we go away from blitzing when it was successful in the first half? I think Iowa went away in the second half. Again, this is something we'll have to review on the tape. Yeah. Um, I thought they pressured a little bit more, but I also think, like you mentioned, that's when Purdue got the run game going, and I think yeah. that really screwed up Iowa because I don't think they were expecting Purdue to run the ball that well. No, and I think it just just drained them too. 100%. Just got tired off that. Yeah. How many times did Iowa's defense blitz? We kind of talked about that. We'll have to review the film on all of that. Uh, Tyler Gutson, why the Hawkeyes love torturing us. <laughs> That's not for me to really say. Um, but we'll see. I think I think they have an opportunity in the next two weeks to build up some confidence. Northwestern Michigan State. I mean, again, these assuming quote unquote two wins, at least my early prediction on that. Uh, but Minnesota's gonna be for real. And they have a guy like David Bell, oh, Rashad Bateman, who could be a top fifteen NFL draft pick. Uh so, and by the way, Tory Taylor looked legit. For he's yeah. never even watched an American game of football, and he was Iowa's best punter that I can at least remember. I think it's better than Michael Sleep. Again, one game, yeah. but I mean, he was two punts inside the ten yard line, forty six yard average, three even more fifty yards. I thought he played tremendous. I think he averaged like forty eight yards per punt was today, it? somewhere yeah. around there. And like Michael Sleep Dalton averaged forty one last year. Yeah, um, but. It's one game. Like, Charlie Jones looked good in the punt return game, by yeah, the way, too. Yeah, that was definitely promising. Uh, so, I guess, before we kind of wrap this up, Sean, what uh, what's your, I guess, final final takeaway from, from today's game? About what you expected, or where do you think that the work needs to be put in? Because I'll say this, 460 yards of offense and 20 points, yeah. that's not going to suffice. Right. And like it was last year, I mean, finishing in the red zone, that's big. I mean, I know... People love Keith Duncan, but I feel like the less he's out there for just kicking normal field goals, the better you're off. And The more extra points. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just think it's one game. Like, we all knew Purdue was going to be dangerous coming in, and it's what happened. So, you know, you just got to just gotta kind of just go with it. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, this Iowa team will be fine. I mean, it's things you can fix up, and like it's tough. Like, I feel like just in like when you're just thrown into the fire like that right away. I mean, they haven't played a game in ten, 10 months, months, and like you're just new quarterback. Like it's tough. I mean, Purdue didn't have them. Didn't. I mean, it's not making any kind of excuses, but Purdue is didn't have their head coach, who's one of the best play callers in the Big Ten. Yeah, Brian Bond did a pretty country. tremendous yeah. job, I think, too, he for did. never called a game. They didn't have their second star was receiver in Rondell Moore. Um, didn't have their starting running back, which I guess really didn't matter at the end of the day. 
Um, so, you know, it's one game. It hurts for some people. It's tough. Like, But I think that's that's back to football, I guess. <laughs> and I'll say this, too, as we wrap this up, Sean. The next three weeks, this is the turning point for Iowa of what they want their season. Because it, yeah. I hate saying this. It's cliche. But it means with just Big Ten play. Every game means more. Iowa's not out of reach of Indy yet, and that's what the goal, you know, the, Spencer Petra said, the only goal we have off table is being undefeated. But Iowa has to win these next three games before they go to play Penn State. Yeah. They have to. When this is either game, that's either going to begin the cycle of a long, frustrating season for them. Well, long, but you know what I mean by that. It's a shortened season, whatever. Or it's going to be a thing that drives them, pushes them together, pushes them harder, and say, you know what, we really can't take any game for granted. The offense still believes in themselves, but uh, at some point the talk can talk, but they need a walk. Yeah, so definitely. Anyway, we will be back on Thursday for another Swarmcast. We're going to be all talk to Kirk Ferentz and a couple of the Iowa players on Tuesday, but we'll have uh, breakdown coverage, uh, including my report card about today's game at HawkeyeInsider.com 24-7 sports, so be sure to check that out. And appreciate listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at Hawkeyes on 247, at SBach. 247 and to subscribe to the Swarmcast on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. Until next time, if you're on the road, drive safe. Until then, we'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.